month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Mary, in a dream of love, playing as all children play, for unsuspecting children may express in comic make-believe the wish that later they will know is tragic and impossible. Here, child, what I am sent to tell, love wills your dream to happen, so love's will on earth may be through you no longer a pretend, but true. What dancing joy would whirl my ignorance away? Light blazes out of stone. The taciturn water burst into music and warm wings throb within that the motionless rose. What sudden rush of power commands me to command? When Eve, in love with her own will, denied the will of love and fell, she turned the flesh love knew so well to knowledge of her love until both love and knowledge were of sin. What her negation wounded, may your affirmation heal today. Love's will requires your own, that in the, the flesh whose love you do not know, love's knowledge into flesh may grow. My flesh, in terror and fire, Rejoices that the word who utters the world out of nothing as a pledge of his word to love her against her will and to turn her desperate longing to love should ask to wear me 
from now to their wedding day for an engagement ring. Let us pray. Lord, may the gleams which flash across my mind be not mine, but yours. And may they lift our hearts and spirits on this evening of our Savior's birth. In his name we pray. Amen. In the two churches that I have served as pastor since 1990, I've experienced the privilege of serving each for more than a dozen years. The longer a minister serves the congregation, the more aware he or she becomes of the human stories being lived out by those of you who come to worship Sunday after Sunday in services around Advent and Christmas and Easter. This past Wednesday night at our longest night service, I was not leading the service and I was able to go around prior to the service, and speak to people in the pews. A couple my age, newly married, he from the Deep South, she from China, his arm around her, her head on his shoulder, as if they were middle schoolers at a church camp. <laughs> Two women sitting together in a pew, each comforting the other after a year of untold losses, one of whom wrote that evening, quoting the other, that it was the most moving church service she had ever attended. And as I left worship down this hall, I noticed standing outside the door of the women's restroom a man much younger than me, who with his wife I had noticed earlier sitting in the service at the back of the sanctuary. I bet I know what you're waiting for, I called out, and he smiled. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of this kind of waiting lately. When she emerged, I was reminded that there is no greater glow on the face of a couple than when they are expecting their first child. When we come to this place, or any other house of worship on Christmas Eve. We bring what is going on in our lives. We bring what is going on in our families if we have them. We bring what is going on in our world, including its inherent sadness. In the past few days, I've read articles chronicling the fall of Aleppo and the human horror there, the continuing threat to Coptic Christians in Egypt, the terrorist attack in Berlin. Whether we live under fear or, un or freedom or uncertainty between the two, what every worshiper around the world brings to the sanctuary to which they turn to receive the birth of Christ is who we are and what we experience this night, this week, this period in our lives, this period in our nation and world's history. Yet what we experience when we arrive here are words and music and silence and prayer and candlelight and harp that tell a story so transcendent in its origin that it reaches down from the heavens, lifts us into its arm, 
calls us by name, consoles us, strengthens us, and moves us to a new emotional and spiritual place. The birth of Christ so transcends our individual lives that it defines who we are and what we are to do. The story we hear tonight takes our lives and our world and makes both as whole as they can be in this life, in this world. One place that we experience the power of this story is in the scripture called the Annunciation to Mary. Annunciation meaning announcement. This is the first time that we see Mary in the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells us that Mary lives in a small town in Galilee called Nazareth, that she's engaged to a man named Joseph, engagement being the first stage of their marriage. And she has not yet moved to the second phase of marriage in her society by taking up residence with Joseph, and that therefore Mary remains a virgin. The poet W.H. Auden describes the simple beauty of Mary at this point in her early teenage life. Mary in a dream of love, playing as all children play. In Luke, Mary is approached by an angel named Gabriel with words that we have heard before and we know to be comforting and supportive. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel continues. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Auden recasts these words from the angel. Love wills your dream to happen. So love's will on earth may be through you. No longer a pretend, but true. After a question and answer session in Luke concerning the how of this conception, Mary says yes to the angel. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In Auden, Mary expresses her affirmation, her yes to the angel, through a vision of nature. What dancing joy would whirl my ignorance away, she asks. Light blazes out of stone. The taciturn water burst into music and warm wings throb within the motionless rose. What sudden rush of power commands me to command? Earlier this month, a member of the church responded to a sermon I had given by sending me words from Henry David Thoreau's essay entitled, Walking. Thoreau writes, We had a remarkable sunset one day last November. I was walking in a meadow, 
the source of a small brook, when the sun at last, just before setting after a cold gray day, reached a clear stratum in the horizon, and the softest, brightest morning sunlight fell on the dry grass and on the stems of the trees in the opposite horizon and on the leaves. When we reflected that this was not a solitary phenomenon, never to happen again, but that it would happen forever and ever, an infinite number of evenings, and that it would cheer and reassure the latest child that walked there, it was a more glorious vision still. So we saunter toward the Holy Land, Thoreau continues, till one day the sun shall shine more brightly than ever he has done, shall shine into our minds and hearts and light up our whole lives with that great awakening light as warm and serene and golden as a bankside in autumn. Through the child to whom Mary gives birth, the sun shall shine more brightly than ever the sun has before, shall shine into our minds and our hearts, shall light up our whole lives with a great awakening light. Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I first encountered Auden's words when I was in seminary in New York in the 1970s. It was a dark time in New York. The years of blackouts and the son of Sam, of inflation and long lines at the gas pump, of high crime rates, in the city in receivership. It was pre-gentrified New York, not the New York of Disneyfied Times Square and of year-long waits for tickets to Hamilton if you can afford them. What struck me then about Auden's words is not only their beauty, but also their depth and power that transcend any decade in which we are living. I spent this past year reading a novel about those years, the 1970s in New York. It was 900 pages. It took me 10 months to read. But in the final page, one of the main characters, Reagan Lamplighter, now in her 50s, receives a letter from her young adult son, Will, who is married and living in California. Now, the novel has followed Reagan throughout her adult life, through her early college, her early years in college, through the death of her mother and the remarriage of her father to a person difficult to accept through her years as a young wife and mother, through bouts of anorexia, 
through inheriting the financial empire her father had been so obsessed to build that he faces criminal indictment over some of its practices and so obsessed to build that he is not willing to stand up to the son of a potential investor who violates Reagan in college. And through the later unfaithfulness of Reagan's husband and the near loss of their young children in the 1977 blackout due to his negligence. Yet the novel ends after 900 pages of human struggle with this letter from her son, now in his 30s, recounting the night that Reagan and her husband Keith, who were estranged at the time, found Will and his younger sister Kate safe and sound. Will's letter says this, I find myself recalling in particular how the morning after the blackout, you and Dad came back to Brooklyn Heights together. Together. Do you remember? Kate was snoring on the new master bed, doing what she always did with the covers. I was stretched across the foot, pretending to sleep. And then you climbed into bed and folded yourself into the space between me and Kate and closed your eyes. I wonder now if you meant for Dad to feel tested. There was still a narrow strip of real estate, the letter continues, along the bed's edge, I'm remembering, on the far side of Kate. Dad squatted to untie his own shoes and then stretched out on his side there, gingerly, as if we were about to wake up any minute and tell him that he had to go. Maybe what Dad had learned the night of the blackout was that in fact he didn't care about anything else, at least not in the same way he cared about me and Kate and you. The way I think he still does care. I know at least that as I pretended to sleep that morning, I could feel him lying stiffly on his side, trying to feel his way back to the people who were right there. Breathing. And now I'm imagining all of us here, the letter continues, together. Dad and Kate and all the members of our family who have come and gone, who have fought and reconciled. And you're there in the dark, right next to me, Mom. Your hand in my hand. Knowing each other as we do, we probably wouldn't need to say anything out loud. But I guess what I would want to leave you with finally comes down simply to this. You are infinite. I see you. You are not alone.
My friends, the voice of this young adult son writing to a newly empty nested mother is no different than the voice of the angel speaking to and through Mary on behalf of God. The angel who is in turn speaking through the birth of God's son to every human being in our beauty and in our fallenness, in our sauntering through the woods and in our penchant for warfare. It is a word spoken to. It is a birth for those who are seeking that word and those who are not seeking it. Those who are willing to hear it and those who are not willing to hear it. Those who welcome it and claim it as their own and those for whom even after hearing it and trying it still seems foreign and far away. It is a voice, a birth, a child, a savior that reaches out across time and space and speaks to you and me. You are infinite. I see you. You are 